Oh, this floor's really sticky. I think Alan's pissed on the floor again. It's not piss. I said it's not me this time. You guys, seriously. You guys, trying to do this podcast. Come on. It's not my fault, Alan's pissed on the floor. <sighs> not me this time. Hi, and welcome to the Wireless Podcast, where the beer flows fast, free, and frictionless. On today's show, we talk about tools, security, and dogs. I'm your host, Dan Jones, and with me is Ryan Dodds, Christian Roberts, and uh, who's lost all of his money on crypto, Mr. Alan Blake. <laughs> I haven't lost all my money on crypto, by the way. Never had any. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's still invested. Yeah, it's still magically there in a virtual Any day world. Now. Any day. Yes. Any day. Stand next to your Del Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Must make you fucking trigger, does it? <laughs> he, d- he says this time next year, Rodney, not Del Boy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why he's triggered. Exactly, that's why he's triggered. How many handles has your broom had? (laughs) But it's the same broom. (laughs) Four handles. (laughs) 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 Fourteen new handles and three new heads. (laughs) How's it going, guys? How's your week been? All right. All right. Can't complain. Mm. I'm gone anywhere. Quiet. Been stuck at home. Anything? Nope. Next <laughs> question. <laughs> I need a haircut though. You need I a haircut. I had one. Mm, I'm starting oh, to look nice. a bit like Sideshow Bob and Krusty the Clown mixed in yeah. one. That's what I was digging for, Alan. <laughs> I have my haircut. You should get a haircut like mine, Ryan. Do it, Ryan. I did. I kind of did that once. The missus went nuts. <laughs> it was by mistake, though. In all fairness, though. Yeah, but when you when you when you do the, when you're a male and you do the Brazilian, Ryan, it looks like a sundial, doesn't it? So I'm not surprised you went mad. Can't see the wood through the trees. <laughs> no, I uh, when I was cutting my own hair, I uh, I think I forgot to get it done because I've been too busy during the week. And I was due to be on a customer site the next day, and honestly, I looked <laughs> an absolute clip. <laughs> uh, well, I hadn't because I was doing bits and bobs. So then I'd uh, I'd sat down. I've got the mirror in front, and I've got the clippers in my hand, and I've got the guard in this hand. And I went like that. And I like got halfway, and I like looked in my hand, and I was like, gonna, oh, you, oh no, I've, I've left the guard. You're going to have to describe this, because people it's can't see <laughs> Is that what he did? So those of you listening in, he, he got his fist, and he shaved right down the middle of his head. Is that how it went, Ryan? Uh-huh. I had my uh, first lockdown haircut about two weeks ago, and um, my my wife was doing it, and the guard slipped. So I've got a stripe down the back of my head now, where it's a lot shorter than the rest of it. But to try even it out, the same at the other side. (laughs) It's just two stripes at the back. Yeah, yeah. I look like a speed bump. (laughs) Just do what I've done, guys. Just go full off. You haven't done that. That's that's not your choice. That's hey. nature. <laughs> it still grows everywhere. Is that with a razor? Really, really thin. That's the problem. <laughs> Alan's gone for the buzz cut. Uh, yeah, it's in. 
actually, no one likes it in my house. My my daughters yeah. hate it. My wife's not <laughs> impressed. But I decided. I actually took one for the team. I actually took one for my son because my son's hair is just he just looks like a microphone right now, and right. he's just basically curly afro. And uh, yeah, it's exactly like it's like Kieran's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Christian. We've we've done that joke to death. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, we haven't. So I thought, I'm right? Just taking my hat off and it's ridiculous. Isn't it? So I thought I'd give it a go and uh, have my sides and back shaved, and uh, then I thought, do you know what? Let's have it shaved all off because he was going to have his head shaved. In the end, once he saw how drastic my hair looked, it put him off. So he just ended up with a short back and sides, and I ended up with a full buzz cut. With that, and it, it makes me realise that I've got like this really weird stripe. Like a melon streak, it's called, in the middle of my head. That I'm okay. going to see if I can keep it's it like out. You go faster, yes, it, it doesn't mean my brain goes faster though. It still processes <laughs> it like you know Pentium 100 speeds. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, good. Right, Alan, what are you drinking this week? I want to hear yours first because you've always got something something interesting to bring to the table. Well, I do, but because I haven't been anywhere and I'm not actually been sending you beers this time i've got myself um the thirsty ferret this week thirsty and it's ferret. uh yeah the thirsty ferret and it's spelt with an f for thirsty not thirsty but thirsty thirsty ferret nice. um thirsty. i think it's a uh, thirsty ferret yeah it's thirsty ferret because it's from somerset i think yeah i could be wrong on that but there you go that's my tip badger on it as well it does. Yeah, oh yeah. You can, yeah, it's from Dorset. It's a Dorset like brewery. With you. Go faster strike. Do you know what? I didn't know that until you just pointed it out, and that's <laughs> brilliant. That's why I got this beer, because I look like a badger right now with my haircut. Love it. Thanks for pointing Have that out. Have you got TV? <laughs> 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 Not yet. Aggressive. Ryan? <laughs> Ryan, what are you doing? I, uh, I have Coors. Uh, special it's little story cool, it? it's, it's not cool. Cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's got two. It's got. It's got two. in it. So that's ooh. Cool. Like a book. Cool. And a mua. And a doer. No, a book. It doesn't have a U in it. We've, we've had this conversation. Right. Look at what, what's special about this one, though, is uh, this magically appeared on the doorstep. A couple of nights ago, one of my good friends was very nice and went round and delivered each one of the lads some beer and left it on the oh, doorstep, nice. which was really nice. So if you're listening, Ben, thank you very much. Um, ben, he may be a friend. He, he won't be <laughs> listening at all. <laughs> Normally it's Milkman that do that kind of stuff. Be one awesome Milkman if he delivered beer. I was going to say, why don't they do that? I know. Yeah, that's I a really good point. Could you imagine a milkman getting up at four o'clock in the morning to deliver a drink? <laughs> yeah, you drink it then. You drink it later in the day. Don't you? I saw a video online of uh, it was it was somewhere in uh, Ireland, and the a guy shows up in a van, up and back of his van, he's got uh, two pumps in there, and pours a pint <laughs> for the guy, gives it to him, have a nice little chat, and then drives off. There is a van in Western Supermare near me that's dial a pint. And you, you can phone up We've got that dollar beer. <laughs> yeah. it, used to, it used to be great when we were 16 because we used to order. And by the time they got to us, uh, they'd already travelled miles, so they didn't want to ID us and all like that and drive back with it. <laughs> so we just used to get booze all the time. It was brilliant. Nice. Phone up somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, we're at the park. <laughs> the park. 
But I think I think that's a I think that's a good shout. If they could put like craft ales and things into Milk and More, I'd they get I don't know that would tempt me into actually getting milk from the milkman again. But like Christmas every morning, wouldn't it? Oh, what have I got on the doorstep? Let's go and yeah, have exactly, a look. Yeah. Oh, yes, let's try it. And to be fair, you'd be drunk before midday because you'd be tempted to try it there and then, wouldn't you? I Are would. You're not drunk before midday. Are you not drunk before midday? Um, define define what you mean by have you not drunk or have you been drunk before midday? I said, are you not drunk before midday? Uh, on average. Uh, only on a Sunday. <laughs> oh, okay. Chris, what are you drinking? <laughs> I've got um, Peroni with a chaser of rum and coke. <laughs> You've got some rum and coke as well still. Yeah. you got the jug. Nice. I've got the joke here. Yeah. Of course, he's got the joke. Ah, oh, it's a belter. <laughs> Love it. I'm on uh, Thatcher's Cloudy Lemon Cider. It's a brand new one. I'm, um, I'm enjoying it. It's more of a midday drink, I think. Hot sun. It's basically alcoholic lemonade. It's very good. Very, very good. Refreshing. Mm. And it's my local... You know, so I'm just supporting local business. That's just... You know, you should sign it because it's new. You're not supporting it. Refreshing. It's my local... It's my local... It's my local cider maker. Really? I'll tell you what, our... Um, our uh, our phone's been busy during the week. We've got a couple of voicemails. Right. I don't know. Did you guys do anything, or...? I bought some beer mats and people keep trying to nick them. Oh. Oh yeah, we have got beer mats, haven't we? That's a good show. Yeah. So if anyone if anyone does want a wireless podcast beer mat, all you have to do is go to wirelesspodcast.com, leave us a leave us a message on there asking us a, a meaningful question. message. Yeah, ask <laughs> us a question or or give us a topic of conversation because we don't really know what we're talking about and aren't inventive enough to come up with things to talk about. Uh, so give us some content. <laughs> then we'll send you out a beer mat. Um, that'd be good. Um, but yeah, we've got some voicemails, haven't we? We had some this week. We'll start with the first one. Do it. Hi, Wise Podcast. It's Ella Big 87. My daddy said he works with a few tools in the Wi Fi. What's your Wi Fi tool for fixing a broken Wi Fi network? Uh, by the way, my mummy thinks. My daddy is a tool. <laughs> I think that was probably the most qualified wireless engineer we've had on this show so far. So we picked. She sounded like she had lots of experience and knew exactly what she was doing. So, um, <laughs> so Alan, from what I understand, you're the tool. Is yes, that right? that's right. So, for anyone that yeah. was listening, that was my uh, okay. daughter. LRA age seven. Thank you, LRA. Um, Daddy is not a tool. He uh, is a very sophisticated and highly intelligent person in the Wi-Fi community. <laughs> but yeah, also known as a spanner. <laughs> so what's the question then? What's your favorite tool? Or no, not your favorite tool. What's your go-to tool then for fixing and troubleshooting Wi-Fi networks? What is it then, boys? What do you use? Ryan, do you want to start? Go on then. Uh, I use IPA a lot. Uh, I do use that a lot. Um, 
It's great. So what it's one of the benefits is you can do packet captures over the air with it. Um, and it gives you a graphical representation of what's going on. Um, you can see if there's any sort of airtime hogs. You can see how many sort of retries at a glance across the air and how much the retries are consuming airtime. Um, I use WinFi quite a bit. And that's my sort of first glance tool. So when I get my laptop out and I'm sat on site, I just fire that one up. Have a quick snapshot, quick deeks about, see what's going on. Um, is this website? And right? see what I can... it, was, it was down this week, wasn't it? It was down, yeah, yeah. I think it still is, actually. Well, one of the other ones I've been using a lot is Insider Pro or Insider Expert. Have you seen it? I, I used Insider a while back. I haven't seen the most recent version of it. The good, it's really, really good. Um, so I've got Insider and then I've got Insider Expert and it is really good. So what they've done is they've, if you're using a, a capture adapter that's supported with it, it starts to understand what sort of clients it's seen over the air, and it brings in some functionality from IPA. So it's it's talking about sort of bandwidth hogs and stuff like that, but it also uh, shows you the data rates from the clients and uh, the retries. So you can see if the retries are come from the AP or from the client. Um, it is really really good as a first glance tool as well, uh, without having to do any in depth analysis so between those three tools did i see somewhere that they're doing a mac version of that isn't there a kickstart um for... from what i th there is and there has been for a while but from what i gather all of their code um from now on is is pretty much portable um but yeah, to be fair I, I don't think they're putting too much thought into it because despite what you think the mac community is still quite small and there is the biggest issue, which is MetaGeek IP as a 32-bit application, which isn't supported on Mac at the moment, is it? I think, you know, you have problems if you have capture files over 4 gig, don't you, with MetaGeek IPA. I don't know if that still exists, but I always found it, it it's a good tool. I unfortunately moved away from Windows. I haven't used it in a while, but when it was on Windows, that was that was one of the first tools I brought out. Oh, well, I, still I, mean, I, I still use it all the time, IPA, on my Mac. You know, MetaGeek are doing a... Fifty percent sale on right now. So anybody listening, get to oh, MediGeek's yeah, yeah. website. That's pretty awesome. And you can pretty fair, much get fifty like... percent of everything, so isn't I... it? Everything, all of their product range. So you can pick up a um, yeah. DBX yeah. Spectrum Analyzer card for something like think... what two hundred and fifty dollars. I think I seen as well. Uh, someone in Slack had ordered one. I think it arrived within like three days as well. Yeah, it was. Um, so that's wow. it's pretty good going from the that's states good. as well. Mm. What, what about so, remote troubleshooting, Ryan? What do you do? Are you ready to drink? Seven Signal. Welcome to the Seven Signal drinking game. From now on, every time Ryan mentions Seven Signal, you've got to have a drink. Well, all of us are just Ryan. <laughs> all of us. Ryan has to have it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do use that product for remote troubleshooting as well. I, I do like so the MetaGeek tools. Um, they're they're really good. Like I said, it's uh, and Ubiquity have got something similar built into their um, their controller and the, the similar display to how IPA displays. You know the, the packets and the frames. Sorry, let's just see how uh, your your airtime is taken up. I think that's that's really useful. 
So I don't use any of the Ubiquity products, unfortunately, at work. Oh, I didn't say at work. <laughs> but we're, no, it's a funny story, actually. When we were evaluating MetaGeek, my, uh, my manager's got... Uh, he uses Ubiquiti at home and he came in one day with like a, a POE injector, a, a Raspberry Pi and all this kind of stuff. He goes, oh look, this this cost me a fraction of the price and look, it was like a trolley worth of kit just to power this access point so he can do a capture and load it onto a laptop. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> they got laughed out with our Nice. So, in, t- in terms of the MetaGeek stuff then, just quickly while we're on that, a, a DBX, if you've got a sidekick, is there any benefit to, to picking up a DBX, especially at the moment while it's fifty no. percent off? They do the same thing. No. No. What about what about for like a like push it in with a WLAN Pi and then have a remote sensor? Um, I don't. I don't no, think, I don't think connect? you can plug a DBX for... into a WLAN Pi. Well, you can because no. it's USB. <laughs> so physically, it's possible. I'm talking. I'm talking about as a remote as a remote sensor for um, Wi-Fi Explorer Pro. I think you can do on uh, macOS Catalina. You can do it remotely because it supports a remote um, USB functionality. Don't you? I think I think I saw Jerry did something similar. Um, I know I know the DBX adapter. You can plug that into a Mac and run that into Wi-Fi Explorer and show Spectrum information and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I've never tried it with a wireless lamp either. Um, it sounds like it's worth a go, actually. It will be, yeah. Yeah. Because like, that, that for me was the only thing that I could think this might be, you know, the, when I'm on site, I'm obviously going to use my sidekick because it's, I've already paid for it. But I was thinking, I was basically trying to justify to myself how can I go and buy a DBX. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to come up with ways that I, didn't, I, could, it, you know, I think it ends up being personal is, choice. Is the Psychic really the first product that you would pull out, though? Hey? Is is the Psychic really the first tool that you would pull out of the bag when you get the Psychic? No, 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 no. It wouldn't be. I was just talking. So, at what point would you take the Psychic out, though? No, in all seriousness, though, at what point do you think? At what point, though, do you do you get it out? <laughs> get no. it out. <laughs> At what point the hour of do you get the psychic PM, out? PM, depending on how many beers I've had. Oh, sorry. Psychic. <laughs> At what point do you get your psychic out on site and say, this is the tool I'm going to use now? What, what, what's, what's your telltale sign? Are we talking about? from a perspective of troubleshooting here or a uh, functional perspective? Because the first thing you're going to say is, I get my, I get my psychic out to survey, right? But mm-hmm. in the context of this conversation, are we talking about as a troubleshooting, a troubleshooting tool? tool? So for me, um, Psychic, I would only ever use for spectrum analysis as a troubleshooting tool to determine what else is out there that's transmitting on the frequencies that I'm going to be using for my Wi-Fi. I wouldn't use it for anything mm-hmm. else, although some people do use um, Psychic to survey as a troubleshooting mechanism to determine, well, what is my coverage and does it relate to the symptoms that the clients are complaining about, for example? So, you know dropouts for example in certain areas well a psychic you could survey that area and see just how strong signal is blah 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 but from a troubleshoot perspective it's not my go-to tool first um so does that answer your question uh it does you, you can do packet capture on psychic now though can't you if you've got a connect license i think yeah so okay. it's, it's... Are, you, are you are you gonna do that when you can just load up air tool well it depends what tools you've got if, if i was going to go out to a site to troubleshoot 
then I'll probably take all the kit I've got with me. And, you know, depending on what you see on layer two, you need to know whether or not to capture spectrum. You know, if you see a lot of layer two retries, you can't find any reason why. The chance of that, you've got some interference somewhere, so you get the psychic out then, I guess. Um, I do have a question about air tool, though. How come you can kill, oh, you can collect noise floor data in a packet capture on air tool, but you can't with the WMPI or with any other product that I've seen, to be honest. I can't capture the noise floor. It's not capturing noise, is it? It can't. It can't capture. You can. You, you can. So if you if you capture with a Mac, you capture you capture How the noise floor. Nick's don't see noise. It's just it's just bit rate errors, isn't it? So it's not I don't know if the the whatever's doing the capture on the Mac is is looking at how many bit rate errors it gets or not and working out the noise floor from that. If you if you look at a packet capture, it actually it comes up as a header as a noise floor and it'll say like neg ninety dBm. Is that in all frames or is it just in beacons or you know whatever beacon frames? Okay, so it's you can see it in the beacon frames. So if it's just in yeah, beacons, then... if you from what I've seen, if you do the same with um, any other sort of tool, it doesn't come up. And I was led to believe, or somebody told me it was a it was a machism, but from what I understood, nicks can't determine noise flow. And each one of those is a nick. Well, no, nicks can't see noise because they can't see noise. They've got a you know a filter which are, an RF filter which only allows them to see, oh, if you know modulated signals. the The reason they capture noise or can see a noise floor is because they can work out bit rate errors, and from there they artificially work out what the noise floor is. It's not actually what the noise floor; it's just how many, you know, how many, uh, how many. Symbols or whatever, I can't demodulate. That's how it works. Out, but it's I think. not relevant to mm-hmm. to anything that's useful for a- anything with a NIC, USB NIC, that tells you the noise floor. You have to take it with a pinch of salt. So typically, um, if you're doing any type of survey data and you're collecting for SNR, for example, you're going to have to take it with a pinch of salt because it's not going to be a true reflection of what the noise really is. That's where Spectrum comes in. But the question I always have with Spectrum is, again, you know, how sensitive and how good is my Spectrum analyzer? card in detecting that noise floor compared to what my client would be detecting because at the end of the day they're not the same so sometimes it's kind of like a it cancels it it just cancels it out but then it's always worth knowing just you know how busy is you know my my infrastructure my network my what my rf um but to me i don't typically use spectrum analysis to go and measure noise floor because i find that i could I, i guess i could measure and see that it's quite high but then how does that translate to what my, you know, my USB NIC is interpreting that noise floor to be? Um, how accurate is it and how does that impact um, how it deti- decides what its data rates are when it wants to transmit? So for me, I tend to use Spectrum just to go out and see if I can find those interferers that I guess are narrowband interferers, Bluetooth, that kind of stuff that are just annoying, you know, CCTVs, that kind of stuff. But I don't typically worry too much about <clears throat> high noise floor because, for experience, I've never really seen or been in, in environments where my noise floor is really, really high, really loud, um, where it's above even neg 90. Um, it's very rare. And typically, I found that with USB adapters, there's a lot of noise even from the USB itself. And that was a common problem with USB 3 hubs, I believe, when they came out, when they got released. You know, people were seeing you know, survey data showing that USB, sorry, survey i'll start again <laughs> survey software was showing that the noise floor was quite high 
but that was because of how you had your USB network adapter connected to, I guess, a hub. And if it was a USB hub, that was probably where the noise has been generated. And that was, that was, I think, detected and discovered by people in the industry, uh, manufacturers as well, but also I think people like Nigel Bowden and whatnot were doing type of analysis as well to try and confirm whether that's true or not. So it, it kind of puts it into perspective mm. for you to, you know, when you're collecting certain types of data, you need to understand how to correlate it to, I guess, what the real world is viewing that data as, because survey tools present one thing, whereas clients may interpret it as a different, and that has an impact on how, I guess, they transmit, you know, data rates that they use. So you've got to take everything with a pinch of salt. And it's, it, it frustrates me a little bit because there's never kind of a silver bullet for any tools that we own. And we can talk about, you know, the psychic itself yeah. collecting beacons and how sensitive it is um, compared to, say, the sensitivity of an iPhone eight, for example, you know, they're not calibrated in any way, shape or form, and they're always going to be different, you know, view in a heat map and the same spectrum analysis is my opinion. So for me, I typically just use it to find interferers. Do you not think that spectrum analysis though is very point in time? You have to be able to detect it in the right place at the right time to be able to notice it. And so every, everything about troubleshooting. How often though? It is, but if you're, see, the thing is about the noise, it's it's understanding what the noise is, if that makes sense. So if it's, from what I've seen so far, and I've done quite a few on-site sort of surveys and troubleshooting and stuff like that, it's very rarely non-802.11 stuff, if I'm honest with you. And what you what you tend to find is, well, the thing is with that, even when you do get sort of non eight hundred two eleven interference, most systems, most autonomous systems, are using some sort of RRM or something like that, and most vendors will just move the channel away from that sort of set of interference if it's that bad. The noise you mostly see is client related. It's eight hundred two eleven n. It's that's that's really important, isn't it? Because Wi-Fi is really sensitive to Wi-Fi. It's not very sensitive to noise. If you look at the, you know, the the noise floor a, a client can talk at, it's it's miles below the virtual cell assessment process it goes through to go. Oh, actually, I can hear wireless noise. I need to back off now. Wireless is usually, well, Wi-Fi sorry is usually the most common interferer or not interference. It's contention, yeah. isn't it? You know what I mean. But what I will say mm -hmm. is just to add that um, for me. The only other time I really care about Spectrum is anything that's got a high duty cycle. Yeah. I don't really care about anything else, if I'm honest, because I think you can kind of live with it. You can kind of coexist. But if there's something consistently transmitting at 100% duty cycle, that's that's important. And that's something you need to determine what the root cause is. If you can switch it off, switch it off. If you can't, then you just stay away from that frequency. But a lot, a lot of that will come from asking questions to to the people that are on site. You know, figure, like you're kind of questioning troubleshooting. You know, because I I always find this this type of like line of question quite interesting. Like, oh, what's your what's your first tool that you go to? Well, my first tool that I go to is questioning, is asking, is finding out. You know the the circumstances around. You know, yeah, <laughs> using my brain is the is is the first. Call. And then, and then once I've kind of narrowed down, okay, right, well, it could be, you know, these five things or whatever, that's when you then pull out whatever tool is going to help you to kind of 
figure you know take cross things off that list it is and the more advanced the tool the deeper down the rabbit hole you're going typically you can use you know yeah. um wi-fi explorer as a snapshot look what's what, what what's happening what, is there anything obvious you know typically you know you would ask the question of the symptoms but again you'd have to kind of take them with a pinch of salt because not always what's happening is in, in the rf environment is actually what's happening um or contributing to the symptoms so you have to ask the right questions and then you have to have i guess the right set of tools available to you and then kind of i mean go in a methodical step right i mean most people would just get wife explorer out and just quickly just do a scan you know what's going on what, what can, can i see anything obvious can mm -hmm. i see you know stupid channel assignments for example or am i seeing things that are i don't know beacon rates at, at different you know tbtt's intervals that kind of stuff you know so there could be those kind of problems immediately spring to mind but then if you don't see anything obvious then you might want to start getting out a different tool such as i don't know an analyzer for example and start capturing packets and then being able to analyze the data either mm -hmm. closer to the client or closer to the ap depending on what the symptoms are i guess uh, and that all comes about from what you say using your brain asking the right questions to determine well you know what is it is it intermittent is it just dropping out um you know is it just jittery that kind of shit so you'd have to yeah definitely Brain is my tool that I use first. Yeah. Is it a particular type of client? You know, those types of questions can massively, you know, filter down what you're going to need to look at and what you're going to need to do. So, either, either that or the application think, as well that I you're think. using. So sometimes applications can be yeah, poorly yeah. written, buggy, that kind of thing. And then it just exasperates the problem when you're using, you know, a, a crap client as well. And, and proprietary software is also problematic because then, if that's mm. an issue, then you, you don't really have a lot of other places to go. It's not like, well, try, you know, this, this application or this conference and facility instead, you know, switching between WebEx and Zoom, for example, you know, are you experiencing the same symptoms and you can try and pinpoint it down to an application or swap out your iPhone 8 for an iPhone 10, that kind of stuff. But when dealing with proprietary stuff, industrial Wi-Fi, that kind of thing, which is in my mm. area, then it gets a little bit more complicated because there's nothing else you can use and you have to kind of go with, you know, yeah. that device and that application. Yeah. So it can be tricky. But I think methodical approach is key. Asking the right questions, in my opinion, is the right way to go about troubleshooting and using using the right tools. See, Ella, that is not a tool. I use the right tools. The, the best thing about that is, is you said, <laughs> my first tool is my brain. And you said, see, that is not a tool. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe I am a tool. <laughs> my my, my go two tool is some sort of deauthor. What what you tend to find is if you deauthor everybody, then the intermittent problems they get every so often seem to go away. So I just keep <laughs> doing that, doing that, just shut up eventually, and you walk away and they're happy. Yeah. Good. Okay, I like good. That good advice. See here here in here in the pub, you always get the best wireless advice. <laughs> just deauthor everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Problems will soon go away. Everyone, love it. I'm going to make sure you bring a pineapple next time. Oh, I've, yeah, I've got a pineapple. I need to play with that a bit more. Let's have a... Have, have a Excuse me? Have, have a proper look into it. Did you do Did you do a, a deep dive? Pineapple deep dive? Do you remember <laughs> the one you did at the WLA WL event in no, Manchester? No, not at all. I wasn't, and, and I wasn't nothing there. Worked. <laughs> look at how horrible this device is. I use a VPN. It like pressed some buttons and nothing happened. The problem was we couldn't get past the captive pool. Um, that was the problem. Yeah, yeah. We we had to disable the captive port or or run um, a, another access point that didn't require captive port. That was the, that was an issue that we had with um, that particular demo. 
Um, but yeah, I did run a deep dive at one of the uh, WRPC conferences um, a couple of years ago. And that was fun. It was good. Um, the 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 the, 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 um, the pineapples are gimmicks. They're, they're great tools. I mean, the GUI feature on them are pretty useful. Um, very kind of hobbyist type of tools, I think. Um, you know, you can have lots of fun with them. But if you want to get down into kind of serious kind of, I guess, Wi-Fi type of hacking, then Kali Linux, those types of tools are realistically where you want to be. Um, if you want to be kind of serious and, and really understanding, you know, how to do pen testing type of things with um, your wireless infrastructure, you know, um, trying to, I guess, hack passwords and find out these types of vulnerabilities. Um, yeah. But the pineapple's a good fun. It's tool. Uh, it's, it's a simple to use tool. I mean, I, I have a pineapple still in my in my. I've also got the uh, nano pineapple as well. That's that's easy. It's just quite a, yeah. quite a single slim line sort of. kind of USB. Plug it in. Um, I think it's only two point four though, not five gig. Um, unless I'm mistaken. Is, yeah. 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 So yeah. there's ways and means, but it depends on how much fun you want to get out of it. It's always good to kind of you know just use a honeypot um, feature to try and get everyone to connect to your. Um, pineapple and you know try and make fake pages and get people to enter their passwords that kind of stuff i mean you can use it for fun or you can be quite malicious with it it depends but um but i recommend getting one just for a bit of fun play with do you it. Think it do you think it's worth having for someone like someone like me who's going into businesses all the time and they're kind of saying look you know what do we need to do you're the consultant come you know show us what we can do um like my reason for getting it was like this might be quite a useful thing to be able to show customers like this is how easy it is to spoof your network. This is how easy it is to do this, that, the other, you know, I, I, you know, coffee shop X, are you, have you just got an open network or have you just got the password, you know, written up on the wall? What's good about that? What's bad about that? You know, this, this device, someone could be sat, you know, doing this. So you get be useful for that type of thing. I don't think so. No, because the bit that's difficult about that is you can say, oh, this is why open wireless networks are bad. But then you've got no alternative. And if they're using open wireless networks for customers or whatever, you know, with all the best will in the world, you can show people why they're bad. But realistically, this right now with where we are with the protocols, there's no alternative other than to offer an open wireless network. You can say to people, use a VPN on top of it. But yeah. then you get into the problem like how can you trust the VPN it's, provider? You know, it just opens it depends who you're of trying to present the facts to. If you're trying to present to a business, it's it's useless. It's it just demonstrates the vulnerabilities, but only it's only going to be a vulnerability that you're demonstrating to the customers, and it's really the education of the customers. So, for example, if there's an open network, they could be dickheads sat in a coffee shop, for example, in Starbucks, connecting to the open network, running a pineapple, spoofing Starbucks, you know, SSIDs, and you could inadvertently connect to you know, my pineapple, you know, and you would be going through me to get your internet connection. Now you can only educate people and express the vulnerabilities there, but it's not the infrastructure. It's not the infrastructure. It's not the, the premises that provide them that services, you know, and a Wi-Fi pineapple is not really going to do much benefit because like Christian just said, well, we want to open that. Uh, sorry. We want to offer open Wi-Fi um, because we want to attract customers into our uh, premises and we want them to drink our coffee, eat our cakes, that kind of stuff, get fat. And it brings up our profits. So yeah, open, open SSIDs is the way forward. The pineapple could just highlight the vulnerabilities that for someone who's security conscious and they want to make sure that they've got pre-shed keys, captive portals on that, I guess, 
provide some sort of mutual authentication that would prevent man in the middle attacks, that side of thing. That's useful then, but I don't think it's going to help um, realistically. It just it could just highlight the problems. Now it's up to the premises who's providing that you know Wi-Fi service whether they want to kind of make it more secure. But again, they want it to be the most easiest for their customers. What about sure? What what about then? So so taking that kind of thing on, it's obviously Starbucks um, use Cisco. You know, or especially you know, all the Starbucks I've been to, all the Costas I've been to use Cisco. So, and that type of thing wouldn't work in there because they've got WIPs protection and all that kind of stuff. So, it, like, how does that work? Is that is that something that's that's worth highlighting to you know some of these these places? Maybe some of these smaller businesses that are just relying on a BT Home Hub Massively, or a, yeah. you know a, a, a Ubiquity something or other. You know, like it. Is is it is it then worth kind of saying, well, look, the, you know, this is why you have to go for something that's a bit more enterprise because actually you're then protecting, yeah, definitely pe- pe- people internally. I, I have this argument all the time at work with our security teams because they they seem to just tell people, you know, point blank, don't use wireless networks if they're open. You know, instead go and ask for a password. And for me. I think the best way of educating people is telling them how to recognize what an insecure network looks like and recognize what warning signs to look for. Because, if, for example, if you need to log on to a captive portal to use a network, you know, A, that doesn't offer any type of security. That's really important. Don't let your guard down. Yeah. And B, if you get, you know, the not secure warning and it's asking you to put your card details in, just leave it. Don't do it. And I think <clears throat> training... Or, or teaching the end user how to look for the warning signs of something that is dangerous or insecure is more important than saying all open wireless networks are insecure because you know they're insecure by design. We know that that's why we put them there, but the end user doesn't know that, and that's the important thing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Nice. Okay. Um, have we got any more? We've got quite a few voicemails, haven't we? Should we have another one? Wireless podcast factions. Thanks for the podcast about space and the leaky feeder. Here are some podcast factoids. In the 4th century BC, Aristotle proposed a fifth element that acted as a medium to fill the space between celestial bodies, ether. Newton defined it as gravity. Its spirit still lives on as dark energy, the term that makes the maths work for an ever-expanding universe. This Chris Reed we also used the term to transmit through the ether in the IEEE 1980s 802.3 standard. It was derived from the Aloha Net Hawaiian Island radio tests. The first commercial wired use was called Thick Ethernet 10Bay 5 up to 500 meters of heavy coax cable with 50 ohm resistors forming the backbone of Ethernet lens. The same as Leaky Feeder LCX. Repeaters were used to extend segments in the same way amplifiers extend LCX cable. Station transmitted onto the coax, instead of into the air. So a last century technology lives for low volume applications. I honestly thought that Stephen Hawkins died. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. He's very much alive. Very much alive. I don't know what to make of that. There was a lot of science. Is that his real voice, Joe? Is, that, is he connected with 5G? Is that is that how he talks? What what? <laughs> is your friend in it, Ryan? Joe Marcus. Thank uh, you. He, yeah. Uh, he he might talk like that. Might not. 
Who knows? Is he an extra on Future Armor? <laughs> he could be. He's had a very uh, colourful past, shall we say? Is he an artist? <laughs> <laughs> Mm, you're getting further, further, away, further and further away from your microphone as the as the thing goes on. <laughs> Bring it closer to you. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't think that is Joe, Joe Mathis has real voice because I think if there's another voice, but let's have a listen. It's Joe from Oxford here. Uh, just one topic uh, you may consider is with lockdown and people needing to use their home wireless, they may be considering mesh products as in wireless extensions to the garden to their loft room that type of thing and um, from experience there can be a, quite a few pitfalls with that so it's just a something maybe to throw into the mix anyway um, I like your work and I'll speak to you soon didn't listen to episode two did he <laughs> who likes our work oh my god <laughs> oh he mentioned you mentioned extenders and mesh and home Wi-Fi. I mean, ugh, ugh, dirty words. I mean, I use, I do use, I do use Happens this up. power line. Um, I do have a power solution in my house, and I would only go with a power line versus a extender. I'd never use an extender because I just don't think they're any good. And I think a lot of people overlook the fact that when you have an extender, it just solves a problem of giving you signal it doesn't give you anything else it just means that you connect in your garden but you're going to lose 50 percent of your throughput so i think a lot of people think yeah i've got an extender and it fixes all their problems and then they wonder why that some things like i don't know streaming anything that's um application intensive is not very good sometimes especially when you're using 2.4 and typically um extenders used to only just be 2.4 capable I think they brought a few out now that are now supporting five gig, but those I remember were only 2.4 and they were, they were shy. And the, the, the biggest problem I had with them was the fact that you had to configure them. And the way you configured them from what I remember is you kind of, um, you, you connected to the SSID that they're broadcasting, you browse to a page once you've associated, um, and then you could basically configure and tell it what SSID to just repeat. And that was it. And, uh, you know, that was as simple as that. But it was never the same SSID that what your router originated. It was something else. So you yeah. had to kind of connect to it in the garden. It was, like and underscore it was a stupid SSID. And you would for, and then when you moved, yeah, you roamed, yeah. you have to manually disconnect because it just couldn't roam anywhere. So it was a, a manual faff. Um, it was just... It was just a poor implementation, I think, is what I'm trying to say, which is why power lines are much better because they provide um, much more better configuration. So you, I have mine set up to replicate my SSID on five gigs so that it will roam when I move. Um, and also they allow you to plug in Ethernet cables as well. Um, so any devices, like I've got my PlayStation set up in there and it doesn't need to connect to the Wi-Fi, it can actually be wired in. So it gives me better performance. With your ones then, are you... so Because I've used power and range extenders, but I... I don't get the wireless ones. I'll just get the cabled ones, and then I'll plug in a normal AP. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, could, but the even the difficulty with them is that they're effectively like an old hub, aren't they? It it just sends out to all of the extenders that you've got. Um, it doesn't. It's, there's no like switching capabilities there. Uh, Powerline is basically a Wi-Fi over mains. The protocol yeah. is pretty much exactly the same, so you know it's, it's exactly. a yeah, talking about 
when you've got he doesn't he doesn't buy the wireless the Wi-Fi versions. He bought the Ethernet versions. So is so when you've got multiple. So when you've got multiple devices um, plugged into each of these Ethernet Wi-Fi, uh, sorry, Ethernet uh, inline injectors or whatever they're called, um, yeah. when when you've got multiple devices, are they, are they transmitting? Uh, uh, they're effectively transmitting over a hub, right? So you could have collisions. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's one medium. It's exactly it's exactly the same as how wireless works. It's one channel. So any signal that gets transmitted over the mains, that's the contention domain. So half duplex. It's it's exactly so, the same. Half duplex, shared medium. To to be honest, though, right? I mean, I'd rather you wear. I, I, I wouldn't I've, want I've... you to lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't lie. I bought the um, I bought the Nike ones, um, but they weren't the cheap ones. I think they were about forty quid, uh, just for two, the one gig ones. Pushing the boat out there, right? That's how up. my office. That's how my office runs. So I've got my entire lab, my laptop, my server, everything. So there's a switch, obviously, on the other end of it. And it runs. I have never had a single problem. I've never had a performance issue. I've never had anything. So when I did... So I get Virgin Media 350 meg. I think when you've only got two of them, it's not as bad. I think the the issue comes when people are plugging in, like, three, four, five of them. Because, because then, you know, they're, because they're just a, a hub. See, I thought that I'll be honest. I, I would question what Christian said because if you just buy an Ethernet one, it doesn't. It, I didn't think it used um, CSMA. It would it use CSMC, uh, CSMA CD? Sorry, not CSMA. No, it uses it uses collision avoidance on the wire mm. over the mains. And if you if you if if you look in if you look into the science of how it transmits over the mains, it's pretty much just wireless. Uh, you know all the. All the stuff you're used to, it's, exa- it's exactly the same. It is. Okay. All the random back-offs, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. for Ethernet, so anything that's so anything that's connected, regardless of whether it's a wireless device or an Ethernet device, it's going to take the CSMA, CA approach to... As soon as it gets to the mains, yeah. Because if you think about it, the, the Ethernet can do all its fancy stuff with full droplets because of the number of pairs and the number of cables you've got in there. On, on your mains, you've only got two. Mm. Yeah, but when you've got multiple devices, this is, I think this is the point Dan's making. So if you've got device A over here plugged in, say, upstairs in your bedroom, and you've got yeah. another device plugged downstairs, how do they know that one is transmitting and one... That, how do they know when they're both transmitting simultaneously? Are we saying with, with Wi-Fi, CSMA, CA, for example... There's a beacon. There's a nav timer. There's a, I guess, a preamble and everything else that says all that. back off. So, so what's happening effectively is that they're just taking the wireless technology and saying rather than transmit and have a collision, detect the, the collision, back off, and then retransmit randomly. You're saying that yeah. actually, I'm talking. Okay, so they're they're basically doing a carrier sense on the, on the on the uh, mains cable to determine is anyone else using that mains cable before I need to transmit my data. So that's what they're doing. All, all the exciting stuff you just talk, talked about, nav timers, random back offs, and stuff like that—that's happening on the wire. Okay, I never—I I um, never knew that. So I just double check something, and if the power line adapter is certified and is compatible with eight or two point three standard, so if it says it's certified for that, then it uses CSMA CD. But that's on the Ethernet side of the yeah. adapter, not on the main side of the adapter. Because of course it's got to be 8.0.2.3 mm. compatible because you're plugging a cable into it. So that, that is on where you plug the cable in. 
I assume if you've got, you know, if you can use two Ethernet cables to plug into it, then it would act as a switch at the cable side, but at the main side, it's using CM, CSM, oh, CSMA, CA. That's the one. Carry sense, multiple access, collision avoidance. Collision avoidance. So that's IEEE uh, 19.01. So I honestly thought it would use hub technology personally, and that's how I thought it would work. And I've just been educated, so thank you, Christian. I appreciate it. Um, I didn't realize Ooh. that's how it would work. And, and to me... He's double-checking now, look. I am. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't have expected that, to be honest with you. I would have expected it to have to just basically work like you, like you think, Dan, as a, as a hub. And, you know, it just retransmits, retransmits until it finally you know, sends it because effectively it's not going to wait for an ACK, right? It's just going to use that mechanism in order to transmit the data. It's not necessarily using the 802.11 protocol. It's just using the, the layer two ethernet. So just to confirm, uh, I have just double checked. Not that I didn't doubt you, Christian, but you are correct. So when I've just looked there, the two standards are IEEE 19.01 which is the standard used for power lines up to 500 mm -hmm. megabits per second. And in there it says, um, tandem multiple devices attempting to use the line at the same time. IEEE standard 1901 supports TDMA, but CSMA CA. So you are so correct. Even you, it, uses, it uses OFDM, um, I think like up to 1025 quam, is it? It's, it's just Wi-Fi uh, on a wire. Oh, it is. And I'm really upset that you guys doubted me so much that you've all independently Googled. I haven't Googled shit, dude. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was speaking to um, Nick Turner about this a while back. Because uh, he was asking, I think, about uh, the difference between normal and AV2. And I think it's AV2 that effectively is a 2 by 2 MIMO, isn't it? That's how they've, that's how they've increased the speed. Um, so it's effectively like two spatial streams over the wire. I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> Maybe it is. I, 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 don't I, I know, I know they, they, use, they do use slightly different frequencies as well over the over the wire. Um, I, know, I guess if you get a higher frequency, you can probably achieve more complex modulations, can't you? You can. What was the question anyway? I think we've, we've well, veered off quite... Yeah, no, we're talking about range extensions and, and yeah. mesh, but to be fair, I think that's a, a pretty good topic because to be honest, I didn't... I didn't fully appreciate that it was um, half duplex yeah. and it was CSMCA, but like I say, my my experience of it is it works well and it works flawlessly for me. And to I answer can... the question about what's the difference between using the extenders and the mesh, the problem is that the extenders are cheap and easy to implement, especially if you want to use power lines versus doing with a mesh system. Because if you go with a mesh system, it ends up being a I guess a little bit proprietary. You end up going with ubiquity because they're the only vendors that i know that actually support a home i guess mesh wi-fi solution yeah there's quite a few well, i don't know any of them there's the orby stuff isn't there by is that netgear orby and there's google wi-fi orby the thing with the netgear orby is that that's actually got three it's one of your uh tri-band because it's got two five five gigahertz yeah, radios dual band. one is one of the five gigahertz radios is for the back yeah everyone says that that's the, that's like a marketing gem but but <laughs> I, I guess I guess the main advantage of going with some sort of power line solution is that it's a you've got a dedicated medium in which your neighbours yeah. cannot interfere with. 
Yeah. But but like I say, going back yeah. to the mesh solution, is it better to use mesh? Because with mesh, um, I guess the, the user experience has improved because once you've connected to the mesh infrastructure, yeah, you 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 tend to you you, you physically are walking around the, the you know, your house, your garden, you're always connected, you know, to a degree. You're not, you know, you're roaming all the time. And the solution is going to work. Whereas with extenders, if you kind of walk from outside to inside, you have to kind of disconnect, reconnect that kind of stuff. Why? But the client does the roaming, doesn't it? It's not. Yeah, the but if if you, yeah, but if you connect, I don't know if you heard earlier when you went for a wee. You mean with the EXT ones? I think you went for a wee. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about we're extenders about that. that they sometimes would give a different SSID. The repeaters. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, but there's extenders and there's repeaters. Repeaters just repeat a signal, don't they? But extenders are, you, you know, like the <laughs> the power line adapters that you can plug in and advertise the same SSID. They're two different things, aren't they? They are, but unfortunately, yeah. consumer products don't distinguish between the two, which is why you've got yeah. tri-brand, right? They're, they're yeah. the and I, I'd de-off anything that ends in EXT in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a big problem. I mean, we're going to probably go off the path a little bit from... Um, but this is a big problem, I think, with a lot of us in the wireless industry. When we see a new product that mm. comes out, like, I don't know, I remember seeing AC devices come out and they, they talk about the throughput, um, you know, up to 7.2 gigabits worth of throughput. <laughs> but basically what they've done... Well, they added together. Uh, yeah, exactly. They've added the 2.4, the 5 gig, and obviously the, the tri-band that they're talking about, which is basically another 5 gig <laughs> uni 2, 2E um, frequency. But the point being is that marketing is a problem with consumer products. And... You know, extenders and repeaters are classed as the same thing, but technically they're different because if you buy an extender, effectively what you're doing is you're just taking the signal and just repeating it to make it louder and propagate. So you end up pulling a, installing a repeater or an extender almost halfway between your garden and where your router is because that's what they recommend that you do. But then technically it's not doing a repeater it's 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 extending but my interpretation of extending would be um if it's the same ssid but with certain extenders that are categorized as extenders i'm talking about consumer products that say they're extenders sometimes you can't actually configure the ssid to match the 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 router ssid that's been propagated it's a different ssid which is why i'm saying that when you connect to it and you 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 move out of range and go indoors potentially you could end up being disconnected so then your client is still trying to search for unless you've got an auto reconnect to a different you know ssid auto cache or whatever it is but technically it's not going to roam it's just going to drop is what i'm saying and, and that's I, that's I, a problem I, I i was i was going to joke and say it's like uh somebody advertising a switch as a hub or a router as a hub but bt sell their router as a bt home hub don't they so you know, I guess, I guess, you know, if you want to sell a product and you want to sell a, a product which will extend your wireless range, you're going to label it as an extender and people are just going to flock to buy it out there. But I get, I get Especially if it's cheaper. Yeah. yeah, it's a big problem. It pisses me off. But, but you don't think one of the other major problems with them, though, isn't necessarily the SSID of the Roman that you were talking about. It's also to do with their channel assignment in which they use. So if you use these... Um, these extenders or repeaters or, or whichever the way they do it, there's no logic built in them and you've got no manual controls over them. So you what you'll find channels. is they'll probably only, <laughs> in fact, I, I seen one recently. I uh, installed one because my brother-in-law bought one and I was just curious to see what it was and it would only use channel 36 or channel 48. It wouldn't use anything else. So it, it, in a street where... 
everyone pretty much has um, Sky Wi-Fi. Everything's all on channel 36 at 8 megahertz. And when I checked, there was at least six different SSIDs at channel 36 at 80 megahertz wide. And it was like, that, that, that also brings into another fact. It's like, you're going to add more contention to it. And I think that's what gives it a bad, a bad name. Because often you find that once you wear, once you put these in and you get your, your kit connected and you start actually putting some throughput through it, you aren't going to get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, like I've been into loads of, um, like small businesses and things like that where they've picked up, you know, some, some crappy extender or repeater and then they'll walk with like a card machine from one end of the office to the other end and then it stops working and they have loads of problems and things like that. And that's the problem is that these end users don't, don't know what they're getting. They just get told this will, this will improve your signal. This will improve your Wi-Fi. So they go out and buy it and then. Yeah, they're the ones that end up double paying for things and then having to pay for someone like me to come in and go well this is why it's not working it's, it's just a shame scary the end user problem solved yeah, yeah. Just get, get rid of the get rid of the crappy marketing teams at the vendors <laughs> right we've got more voicemails come on let's do this hello Falk Bachmann from Germany Many thanks for your worthwhile time and making this more fun during staying at home. Keep safe, everybody. Is that sarcasm? <laughs> hey, don't let your ego show, okay? Mm. We've, we've got we've got some similar ones to that. Let's have a look. I, I think people are just trying to get the, the beer mats out there, the cheeky oh. sods. <laughs> Hi, guys. Didn't have a chance to listen to the podcast yet. I promise we'll do next time great idea and great people around it so all the best he's just after the free beer money yes that's this legend oh. send him, I, I like send him two it's, um i've i've never listened to you i've never done anything but uh can i have a beer man we've just given <laughs> yeah. we've just we've just let we've just yeah. given him some exposure yeah, fuck off i'm never gonna listen to you i just want to be a mat i've got no beer mats but no <laughs> cost Maybe I'm still Fair play, it's good honesty. <laughs> I've got, to be honest with you, you're a retry. Who gives a shit? Okay, <laughs> the next one is from, uh, I, I listened to these before, obviously. It's from Miguel um, from Mexico. It's a long distance calling. You know, this must have cost him more than a BMAT's worth of recording. <laughs> hello, guys. This is Miguel Morales from Monterrey, Mexico. I'm just saying hello and have a good day. Bye. Ah, uh, they just want to talk. They do. Just want to leave a message. I'm I'm impressed that we've got someone in Mexico who's listening to us <laughs> ramble on about absolute crap. I, 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 to be honest, with you, I'm impressed when we've got Joe from Oxford. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks everyone for leaving voice messages. I'll I'll yes. be sending you a beam out, obviously. Nice. And good quality. Limited beers. edition. I haven't got one yet. We haven't even got one yet. You should. Uh, you should write on the back what um, like what number they are, like one ah. out of. Sorry. Give them. Give them a. We seat. make millions of episodes, and we can say 
Can you remember when we gave number. away those free B-mats? Alan Blake and number two. <laughs> why am I not number one? Because it was shit, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Who's number one then in your eyes? First the worst, second the best, third the one with a hairy chest. He's got the hairy chest. Oh, hello. Has <laughs> <laughs> your hair fallen from your head, Dad? <laughs> it, mate, it's all migrating south. It's worse. Like today, I was walking around and I was like, oh, it's got this random like thing on my. It was just my back hair was tickling my neck. <laughs> it's like, come on. Um, for those listening who hasn't who haven't seen Dan, he's a giraffe, so that's even more disgusting than normal. It goes all the way up, fourteen feet. Okay, guys. Right, that's about it. I think for me, I'm gonna have to kick you out. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. You know what? No, we're not going anywhere. Uh, come on, I'm tired. No. I've got to get that's up the early. Day, I want to stay. Right. right. Okay. I'm going up to bed. I'm, I'm going to bed. I think <laughs> I fell asleep about done. an hour ago. <laughs> All right, we're just leaving the keys. I'll lock up. Christian, I don't think Ryan, I don't think Ryan said anything, has he? Yeah. Great, Christian, half a pint of aftershock. Half <laughs> yeah, a pint. Alright then, kids, I'm off. <laughs> can I get a lift, Ryan? I'm off. Can I get a lift with you, Ryan? You can fucking walk. <laughs> There's some passive aggressive shite for you. Walk, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs>